There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> All right, everybody. Jeez. Oh, All right, here we go. Welcome, everybody. Mods, let me know if my audio is right, because I just hit a sound effect. And even though I can hear the music in my ear, the sound effect is coming out of a speaker on my desktop. So who knows where this episode's going, but it looks like it's going to be a manual sound effect episode. Let me know in the chat. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. It is Thursday, September 28th, 2023. Welcome to episode 461 um, of the show. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Matt McDaniels, Jesse Johnson, Jeff Witala, BSEC, Ms. Julian, Stephen Mount, all those folks over in the UK like Kenneth Ruff, Tom Bishop in the Italy, the big boot. All those coming in on LinkedIn, all those on YouTube. Long time and first time, we're all going to be having a good time. Yeet! Dude, I swear to God, the yeet's coming out of a speaker somewhere that is not. Uh... It's, it's not even coming from a speaker on my desk. It's coming from. Oh, you know where it's coming from? It's coming from my monitor. Okay, okay. We're going to get this sorted out in a minute. Is Let me just ask you. Let me just ask you, is my audio tight? Can you, you can hear me, right? The music, my audio, it's just the sound effects that are wrong. I know what's going on. Hey, Lego Journal, what's up? All right, guys, let me, let me kind of chew through this really quickly and then we'll get sorted out. Um, guys, the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast, we're going to go through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, so how can you operationalize this in your um, in your like you know day to day activities to bring uh, cyber risk reduction to your organization? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, there's going to be massive value for you here. Believe that because you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? And the Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is an excellent answer to share that. Also, shout out. Uh, over on Reddit r slash cybersecurity, somebody asked, like, how do people stay current? And a couple, couple members of the Reddit community um, recommending Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. So I did hop into the chat uh, over on Reddit and uh, shared a link to here and told them about all the great work that everybody's doing in here. So let's, um, let's uh, you know, I, thank you very much, whoever it was over on Reddit. Sorry, I'm a little discombobulated uh, right now. Got a lot, lot going on. It is uh, Thursday, so I will be um, 
uh, teaching, so no jaw jacking today, but that's okay. Guys, um, really quick, uh, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so be sure to say what's up in chat, hashtag Team Live, or smash that like button like Will Reed's dropping right now. Hashtag Team Live if you're in chat. Each episode's worth half a CPE. It stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. So say what's up, take a screenshot, file it in a folder, get your CPEs, and be good uh, to go. Team Replay, if you're watching on Replay, Team Replay are people too. Love myself some Team Replay. And really quick, if it is your first time on the stream, um, welcome. First of all, glad you found us. Hope you got value out. Hope you get value out of the stream. And do me a favor, if you will, hashtag first timer in chat, especially if you're live right now, hashtag first timer in chat. We love welcoming our first timers into the community. Uh, programming notes, CISO series did not post their blog post this morning. So we're going to be riding dirty as we get in. Oh, there it is. I, I Nope, that's not it, actually. Um so yeah, we'll be riding dirty today, which is you know part of part of the show's appeal. You never know what you're gonna get, right? This is like a Forrest Gump box of chocolates podcast. So we'll see what happens up in here. But before we get into it, hey Seabright, what's up? Wow! Until until I can get the sound effects straightened out, you will be getting manual sound effects. So, <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, I have a soundboard and like Jermaine Okafor. You're gonna be like, this guy's crazy. Right. I have a soundboard. We have certain sounds for certain situations on the stream. But whenever the soundboard goes out, I make a promise to the community to <laughs> manually do the sound effects. So uh, coming in from the Nassau Bahamas. I love it. Zabdoff 242. Welcome to the stream. All right, guys. Um, let me quickly give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors uh, who allow me to bring this to you every single morning without issues. Starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor, who will be hosting the stream tomorrow. Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions is absolutely dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can ca cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solution knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security, my good friend Brandon Poole's uh, company. What's up, Joe Perry? Wow! Good to see you, first-timer. Love the first-timers. Hope you get value from the stream. Get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. Listen, guys, if you need left-of-boom action, right? If you need an information security program, if you need a gap analysis, if you need an or enterprise risk assessment, Panopsi Security is who you should call. Their staff, awesome. They can come in, look at your threat landscape, your industry, your resources, business size, current maturity level, and actually give you a valid cyber risk reduction strategy to execute against with respect to all of your constraints, right? So it's not just some stupid report that says, patch all your things and call me in the morning. No, it's much more like, here's where you really have exposure. Here's where you kind of have bloat. Like, let's get this straightened out. It's very good. And- it enables you to uh, uh, talk to your business in a meaningful way. What's up, CB Wright? Good to see you. Hey, Jamie Fleck. Good to see you, as always. Um, and finally, anti-siphon training, but more about them at the mid-roll. It is Thursday, which means it's What's Your Meme Thursday. Every single day of the week has a special uh, activity. And we have a uh, community member, Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish, who um, makes a custom meme. And you guys are going to love this one. If you enjoyed my my rant about Bermuda being a, a poser 
<laughs> in the Caribbean street gang, uh, you'll love you'll love uh, the meme of the week. Okay, guys, George Strasberger with the super chat. What did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, George Strasberger, for the super chat. Not a bad Bobby McFerrin impersonation. All right, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. So we're gonna slide right into the news. Um, and I know the first story because I could see it inside of the podcast title. But other than that, we're riding dirty. Want to say what's up, Mr. Johnson? Uh, hashtag first timer. Also, I saw somebody else from I think yes, bomb bombade muhis. Good to see you. All the first timers. We need a first timer sound effect, guys. What do we think about that? Drop some suggestions in chat. I would love it. We need a first timer sound effect. Something to play when a first timer, right? You know, says something like for the first time, right? So, like, we we should totally do that. All right, guys, do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news, spicy, wash over you in an awesome wave. And I would I would put a poll out asking you if I should just roll on manual sound effects today or fix my soundboard. But I suspect I know what the community would say. So I'm going to try to fix my soundboard. <laughs> From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, September 28th, 2023. GPUs vulnerable to pixel stealing attacks. Don't worry, GPUs. You don't have to feel left out of the side channel attacks anymore. A new paper from researchers at the University of Texas at Austin revealed a cross-origin attack impacting GPUs from all major suppliers. A proof-of-concept attack called GPU.zip revealed that data compression used to improve performance can act as a side channel, allowing an attacker to place an iframe on a malicious page and then read pixels displayed on another with up to 97% accuracy. The GPUs applied this compression without any application involvement. Because compression varies between manufacturers, <laughs> the researchers reverse engineered each one. The attack remains mostly theoretical, but chose a basis for using GPUs as a side channel. Okay, so this is really cool. You know, clearly academic research. GPUs, a lot of people have them. Crypto mining, uh, gaming rigs. There was a whole, there was a whole um period of time where like you couldn't get GPUs because all the crypto miners were scooping them up and Nvidia couldn't keep them going. And you know, the other, um, main manufacturers, the, the, the supply has come back as far as I know. Um, but GPUs are pretty powerful and you know, a lot of people use them for offloading stuff and whatever. Uh, this basically demonstrates that, uh, and by the way, a side channel attack is, uh, What's the best way to describe a side channel attack? A side channel attack is an attack that isn't directly exploiting uh, like a, a technology or something like this, right? So like a, a typical side channel attack is like watching the energy emanations coming out of the power cord of a computer and being able to deduce what bits and bytes are going on because the way computers work, they like push power for a one and they they drop power for a zero, like very, very simple Um zeros and ones right and to a human it's just like and you don't really see it but a computer you know could could slow it down and see it and that's a side channel attack because you can't you don't know if someone's looking at the energy field going up and down you can't tell and you can't really stop it right so that's kind of what's going on here um the one thing i would say is don't go like do not go gangbusters 
and rip all the GPUs out of your environment, you know, start going office space with a hammer. I mean, with a, uh, a baseball bat and just start smashing GPUs. The, the attack here is that if I open, uh, let's say I have two web pages open, two tabs, but let's be real. I rock 65 tabs or more like on the regular, like you can't even see the favicon logo in my tabs because I run so many tabs like anyone else. Like I got a GPU on my computer, not so I can live stream, but so I can have more Google Chrome tabs open. Right. Um, but the idea is say you have two, you, you go to a page that's malicious controlled and it uses this attack to be able to read content on the other tab. Now, I mean, this is like going around your elbow to get to your butt. There's no like there's no reason. There's other techniques where you can read what's going on inside the browser and exploit the browser. Um, again, those are more explicit attacks where you could detect them, you could see behaviors, you could see malicious extensions installed and stuff like that. So if discretion is your your game. Um, you could do this, but it, it, it requires the other tab, the one that's going to get compromised or the one that's going to get sniffed basically for sensitive data. It requires that tab to have something sensitive on it and for the malware to be able to deduce what is sensitive. They say username and password. Like, I don't know about you, but like, how often do you have your password visible on another tab? Like it's not common, right? Doesn't mean you shouldn't, um, doesn't mean you shouldn't be aware of this, but this is academic research where I feel like it's very, um, you know, unlikely. Uh, one point, I don't know if um, BSEC just said GPUs are for cryptos now. I agree with that, but it, it does it does give me a quick pause. I'm kind of poo-pooing this as like a real thing, uh, but but um, I could see, you know, if you're tar like it just it's coincidence. It's a spurious hit that. Crypto miners are using GPUs, so it's possible. I don't care about your password, but if I could get your wallet or your wallet, I, you know, your private keys to your wallet. Now that could be interesting, right? If I could steal your uh, your wallet, or I could steal your board ape NFT, which is worth dirt now. Um, that's interesting and a little bit more worthwhile exploring if you're a threat actor. So maybe if you're running cryptos and uh, stuff like that, sensitive information on the same machine as your GPU be a little bit more mindful, but I don't, I think this is academic research, interesting, but not anything to take action on. Info stealing commits hit GitHub. A new report from Checksmarks documented a campaign to insert malicious code into breached GitHub accounts. These commits would disguise as GitHub's dependabot contributions, ultimately attempting to steal passwords and other authentication secrets. The attackers gained access to the accounts through stolen personal access tokens, which can log into GitHub without two-factor authentication. Most attacks targeted users from Indonesia, but no word what group orchestrated the campaign. All right. Again, uh, you'll have to grant me some grace. Two things. One, I don't prepare for any of these stories, nor am I do any research. So you're getting my raw take, but I've been working in the industry for a very long time and I've seen a lot of crap. So like, I usually have something to say about these things. Second of all, because today, today only, so first timers, first timers, you may not uh, know this, but like typically I have the stories all up and we can jump right to it, but the, there's a there's a problem right now. So I have to like listen to the first sentence and then quickly pull up something. So just bear with me on the programming, okay? Also, I'm absolutely, like the, the story's over. Uh, I mean, the poll is over. We are going with diehard John McClain, Welcome to the party, pal. Like, that's absolutely first timer. 
um, and we'll get graphics and everything. That's going to be wicked cool. Uh, thank you, community, for that wonderful suggestion. All right, so here we go. Uh, GitHub, info stealing bots, and then coming in as Dependabot. Now, I don't know what Dependabot is. Um, and this campaign actually is already over. It happened in the summer. So um, someone stole GitHub access creds. Okay, so here's the deal. You got to remember, um, when you steal creds, right? Sometimes it's not about like getting into the account and like exfiltrating data or something like that. That is a pretty common thing, but sometimes it's a initial step into a larger campaign, a larger uh, mission or objective. And in this instance, it sounds like GitHub uh, people had their creds stolen and then info stealing malware was injected into GitHub repos, which were then obviously downloaded. Now, why would you want to do this? Well, if you think about um, social engineering, two of the things that you want um, is trust, right? So if some random new account starts making commits and injecting malware, obviously the GitHub repo project owners are going to be like, you know, get out of here with that noise. Like, uh, uh, like, um, oh God, Metal Gear Solid sound. Um, I don't even know how to make a Metal Gear Solid sound with my mouth. Like, 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 is that the Metal Gear Solid sound? I don't know. Uh, you'll have to, you'll have to bear with me. I gotta, I gotta fix this. This is killing me. This is killing me, Smalls. My output device is NVIDIA. All right. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a roll on this one. Here we go. I don't know. Oh my God. Base case is going to kill me when he, when he sees this. Here we go. All right. There we go. I will still do manual sound effects where appropriate just for the benefit of the community, but hopefully you can hear that now. And hopefully you can still hear the podcast. Let me know if you don't hear the podcast when I get going. Um, so anyways, here's the deal. They want trust. So if I see someone who makes regular commits, make another commit, I trust it. So I'm not going to validate it, right? You, there's implicit trust. I, you know, I don't need to check it. And that's how these info stealing uh, commits get in. And then basically this is a supply chain attack. So with the supply chain um, upstream, getting these um, malware injected in, then it gets baked into other products. People start downloading it because consumers have trust that the code from this repo, like imagine if you will, imagine if you will, um, what's like a really famous uh, GitHub repo that like I download all the time. Um, I don't know what's, what's, I can't like Nick uh, or, or um, Fortrace, the guy from Fortrace, Nick Ascoli, he shared like a CTI uh, list, right? Um, you know, so the community all uses it. Um, uh, what Sysmon, uh, is it Swift on security Sysmon profile? Like something like that, where like everybody downloads it, everybody downloads it. So you could rapidly deploy a bunch of info stealing. And if you target certain areas, like say you're targeting security GitHub repos, right? Now, you know that you're going to hit a lot of security practitioners or you target you know, crypto, uh, you know, NFT type stuff, right? You know, you're going to hit those people. So it really is, <coughs> it really is an opportunity. So be mindful, obviously, if you run GitHub, be mindful if you're downloading from GitHub. I'm not saying stop downloading GitHub, but you should, you know, you know, exercise caution, right? Obviously. Okay, here we go. Let me know if you hear the, uh, the podcast. Alleged Sony hackers hit NTT Docomo. 
it's been an allegedly busy week for the ransomware group Ransomed VC. The group claimed to steal 240 gigabytes of data from Sony earlier this week. Now, an advisory from ReSecurity disclosed the group is demanding a $1 million ransom from Japan's largest telco, NTT Docomo. No confirmation from the telco on any data breach. Malwarebytes first spotted the group acting as a <coughs> ransomware organization in August 2023 after previously serving as a dark web forum. All right. The why- Did you guys hear that podcast uh, news? Um, let me know. Okay, cool. All right. So check it out. Ransom VC hits NTT Docomo after Sony breach claims. Okay. So two things. One, we covered this in news yesterday. There is some activity. This Ransom VC, they are on a like publicity tour, right? They are trying, I don't know why. Uh, they're trying to get in the news every single day. Now, they claimed to have hit Sony, right? As you can see here in the title. And uh, somebody, somebody came in and said, um, oh, thank you, Sergeant Fighter. So somebody came in, Major Nelson, and said, I'm the person who cracked Sony. Ransom VC is a poser and it's complete hot trash like no so then the next day ransom v comes out and says i hit or we hit ntt docomo now this is a large telco in japan so no small potatoes as far as a victim goes um it's kind of funny i'm actually kind of curious to see if somebody comes out um and says hey i'm the one who hit uh ntt docomo now now check this out here's one thing that i would think about when I do this, right? If I was a threat actor, right? I guess there's a lot going on here. So, so just bear with me for a second, okay? If you're a threat actor and you commit a crime, right? Or if you're anyone, right? Let's say, let's say, um, let's pick somebody, George Strasberger. George, you're wonderful, but let's say George commits a crime, okay? Just whatever, steals a Snickers bar from a gas station. Let's make it petty, okay? George has got chocolate on his face. He's got that sweet peanut butter and caramel um, flavor all up in his on his lips and his breath smells like Snickers. And, you know, okay. And he's satisfied. Okay, George, you, you got chocolate on your hands. You got a wrapper in your pocket. You look guilty, my friend. But then, like, Jesse Johnson steps up and is like, I stole the Snickers bar. It was me, right? Like, it, it, in the instance with Ransom VC and Major Nelson, in that instance, George, in this case, said, no, 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 I'm the one who stole the Snickers bar. Okay, here's my thing. I'm trying to understand the impetus. If someone else is claiming that they committed the crime, like, good, like, please take that bullet for me. Because at the end of the day, Ransom VC might have the cred of like, ooh, look at this next level hacker. But like Ransom VC, I mean, excuse me, Major Nelson is the one who has the actual data. Major Nelson's the one who has the decryption keys to sell back to Sony. Major Nelson's the one who can ex um can sell the data, right? If if it's true that Ransom VC just had a couple screenshots from Major Nelson's dump, right? So I'm thinking through this, it's like, you know, there were some petty squabbles, maybe some um pride involved in the Major Nelson Ransom VC. But if I was a threat actor, I don't know. So in this particular story where I, hey, uh, James McQuiggan with the super chat. I love when cyber criminals fight among each other. Too funny. Coffee cup. Cheers. I will give you a coffee cup. Cheers, James. And uh, what? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. Uh, we are doing manual sound effects today. So here's my thing. 
I would almost think that someone would jump out and say, no, 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 I'm the one who did NTT Docomo. But as I think about it, I'm I'm thinking um, maybe they won't, right? If they are like an ALF V or whoever, if they come out, it's going to be to, um, it, um, it's it's going to be to like basically put pressure on the victim, not to like flex on Ransom VC, right? So this, this Ransom VC just kind of uh, appears to be uh, unconfirmed as a like, serious threat actor or someone taking credit for other people's um, actions. So we'll see where it goes. Um, they are demanding a $1 million payment. Um, Sony did refuse to pay a similar ransom. So we'll see, I guess at the end of the day, you know, if you're charging a million dollars, uh, a rep, you know, you only need one, one, one hit, a, one hit a year is not a bad annual salary. Um, oh my God. Okay. So, <laughs> This is interesting. Just a follow-up from the Sony story. Threat actors asked for a million dollars. Sony refused to pay it. And they said they're willing to sell Sony's data for $10,000. It always cracks me up. Do you remember? Do you guys remember? I don't know if you remember this, but like some threat actor claimed to have all of Twitter's like user data. And they had screenshots of like usernames, passwords, whatever. It was like right when Elon had bought it. And... They're like, we want $40 million. And Elon was like, no. And and like they can't they're, they're like, no. And then their their counter offer was $40,000. And it's like, bro, like you are not good at negotiating. Like you can't, you can't cut your own legs out from underneath you. Like you came in at $40 million. Like, bro, like at least like first time, is it? I don't know. Um so anyways, this this seems like a, a bit of a, a of a miscalculation on understanding value. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't know uh, how big uh, NTT Docomo is. I don't know if this means that there's ransomware uh, at the telecom impacting operations. But, you know, I guess if you do work in communication sector, this is a good one to flag. But it's just ransomware, 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 ransomware. Reach of the LibWebP vulnerability. Earlier this month, we shared a story about a vulnerability disclosed by Google researchers in the Chrome browser. This impacted the LibWebP library used to process WebP images. This allowed for a maliciously crafted WebP file to achieve arbitrary code execution. Google initially believed the vulnerability was specific to Chrome. However, separate CVEs for a LibWebP vulnerability appeared from Apple and other companies using the library under active exploitation. Google subsequently assigned a new CVE to the vulnerability to reflect its wider reach. All right. All right. So we covered this story yesterday pretty much in length about the LibP, LibWebP uh, vulnerability. This, this thing is in a lot of technology, a lot of software. You can't update your LibWebP version. It's not like a DLL you have on your machine. It's baked into programs. So you'll want to be mindful of any applications that are designed to uh, render data from the internet, which is like everything. Um, mostly web browsers. They, they had mentioned a couple uh, applications like 1Password. So applications that are basically um, kind of focused browsers like they you know they look like an app but they're basically doing the same kind of thing under the hood as a browser you want to be mindful of those and get them uh set up space tacos with the super chat manual sound effects rock happy friday eve what did we just become best friends space tacos yep 
Thank you very much. Uh, so guys, just be mindful. You do want to get anything that's uh, a patch for LibWebP sorted out, uh, you know, typical best practices around, um, well, I mean, here's the thing with something like this, you already need to be uh, executing best practices in order to um, manage the exposure that this libwebp vulnerability is going to present to you in your user space, right? So you might not know that it's in um, like, okay, so let's patch all the browsers, but you don't know it's in the one password and half your crew is using one password, right? So now you got to get into um, best practices. And these are, these are hard to do, but like privileged access management, network segmentation, least use, least privilege, like EDRs, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like these type of things. Also, I don't know. Um, I don't know, but this would be interesting really quickly. LibWebP uh, exploit uh, IOCs. I wonder if there is a, um, a lot of times uh, researchers will provide indicators of compromise, basically things that you can copy and paste into your EDR solutions um, because EDRs are typically behavioral based. So like if you, if it, if you exploit libwebp and then typically, you know, do that buffer overflow and then you write into a certain area and then you do something else, that behavior can be modeled and then put inside of a, um, EDR solution to be able to be discovered. Right. So it doesn't look like, um, I don't see any uh, IOCs or anything like that. So be on the lookout for that. Um, LibWebP's role is in numerous projects, including Signal. Okay. So you can see here, it's it's here. I don't know if we're going to be able to see this, but just really quickly, this this emphasizes my point. It's mostly browsers, right? One path, um, Safari, Firefox, Edge, Opera, native web browsers, et cetera. But then here we go right here, Signal. Now, Signal is a really secure very private encrypted end-to-end -end communication uh, solution that a lot of people depend on for privacy. Well, if there is a remote code execution through a buffer overflow on signal, that means it's, poten <coughs> it's potential that someone texts you a picture, right? And then the signal app renders that picture calling that libwebp library, which then if it's a you know customly crafted picture or web page with a picture on it, they could exploit signal and not necessarily read your signal, but take like get at execution on the system itself, right? So like if signals on your Android phone, they could take over your Android phone, right? And then once they're there, then pull down second stage payloads, uh, info stealers, persistence mechanisms and crap like that. So you've got to be careful. Now a word from our sponsor, App Omni. Are you confident in your organization's SaaS security? App Omni surveyed 600 plus security practitioners globally and 71% answered yes, but 79% experienced SaaS cybersecurity incidents. What's behind this disconnect? CISOs believe they have a mature level of SaaS cybersecurity using CASB, MFA, and IDP, but these solutions lack unified risk visibility. Without SSPM, they're blind to the true extent of their SaaS attack surface risk. Don't gamble with your data. Get the visibility and insights you need to protect your SaaS environment with App Omni. All right. We got a super chat coming in. James McQuiggan, my friend, James McQuiggan, the uh, um, presenting at Wild West Hackenfest with James McQuiggan right after keynote on the first day. 
Gotta love it when Jerry has to do manual sound effects. I'm going to pay for it when we, I'm going to pay for it when we next play chess. I'll risk it. Make sure that 334 of here in chat, hit that like button and subscribe. Thank you for the super chat, James. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay, guys, we are at the mid roll uh, and we do this. Hey, first timers, we do this every time at the mid roll. It's a little low. Hopefully you guys can hear that. It's a little low to me. All right, guys. Hey, I want to take a hot minute and thank all of you for being here. Uh, manual sound effects and all. Thank you, Barricade Cyber Solutions and Panopsi Security, but also Anti-Siphon Training. Really quickly, guys, especially you first-timers. Yeah. Uh, Kimberly with the uh, 20 months, Kimberly. Wow. Thanks so much for being a squad member. 20 months. Wow. Uh, hey, Anti-Siphon Training is here to disrupt the traditional training industry by providing high-quality and cutting-edge education to everyone, everyone, regardless of their financial position. We offer... They offer students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught from industry practitioners who are absolutely dynamite. Yeah, I, I know the music's really low on the thing. I can't. Um, you know what? Hell, let's just let's just blow it out. Um, here we go. Let's do it. There we go. Blowing out the, uh, hello, do I still have audio? Can you guys hear me? This is such a hot mess day. All right. I can't hear myself in the, in the feedback. So we'll just, uh, we'll just assume it's good. Uh, guys, the anti-siphon train here to bring what's up. Um, all right. Uh, thanks anti-siphon links in the description below. And, uh, uh, mods, can you tell me really quickly if my mic audio and the music audio is good to go, or if I need to turn one of them down, I think I need to turn one of them down, but I can't hear the feedback in my, uh, um, <laughs> Hey, George Strasberger, can everyone send a buck since Jerry has to do 200 sound effects? What do we just, uh, become best friends? Yep. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Hey, um, what else do we got? It is what's your meme Thursday. So we're going to see that in a hot minute. Um, I want to tell you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an awesome initiative that's ongoing. Bobby Coffee currently has the baton. Bobby Coffee. Um, uh, okay. Uh, you sound good. Okay, okay. Uh, Bobby Coffee is uh, got the baton. Bobby Coffee is going to tag somebody. Here's the deal. All of you listening right now, including first-timers, if you would like to... Um, increase your LinkedIn network, but not just for like the numbers, right? But actually meaningful connections with cybersecurity professionals, people who are posting supportive, inclusive content. Listen up. Bobby's going to tag somebody. That's just one person. For everybody else, go on LinkedIn, post. I mean, go on LinkedIn and search for this hashtag, right? You can see I've done it uh, right here. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge right at the top. Search for it, sort by date, and then you'll find like Bobby's post from yesterday and whoever's post from today. With that post, comment, like obviously read the post, connect with the person who posted. That's one connection. Then comment on the post, whatever you want to comment. Connect with the people in comments, right? So let's say there's 10 people in comments. 
Now you've connected with 11 people, meaningful connections, cybersecurity pre, uh, practitioners or aspiring. And since you're the 11th, the 12th person who's going to comment on that is going to connect with you. You're going to get picked up in the Peloton. You're going to get picked up in the churn. And you're going to find out in about two weeks, your LinkedIn network is going to be a freaking gold mine. You're going to love what's going on in there with the supportive, inclusive content, the resources, the shares. Believe me, Simply Cyber Community Challenge, it's absolutely where it's at. All right, guys. Now, really quickly, I do want to share this before we do the uh, meme of the week. Special reminder, later today, 3.30 p.m. today, sim uh, listen up, Simply Cyber Community uh, Kimberly, get in the Simply Cyber Community Challenge and participate in the comments and network. What? Did we just become best friends, Kimberly? Yep. All right, guys. Special reminder to the Simply Cyber Community of Cybersecurity and IT Pros. Very special Simply Cyber Live this Thursday. As we navigate the evolving tech landscape, there's one platform making waves, the Intel V Pro. We welcome Gary Binder, this guy right here. He's awesome. Today, Thursday, 928 at 3.30 p.m., 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time for live stream. We're diving deep into capabilities. Learn how Intel V Pro is not just a platform, but a solution, enhancing business continuity, manageability, and fortifying security. If you're serious about staying at the forefront of IT innovation, this is one discussion you can't afford to miss. Set a reminder, 3.30 p.m. today, let's discuss organizational cyber risk reduction together. Thank you so much, Intel, looking forward to it. Now guys, really quickly, if you were here on the Monday show, uh, Bermuda had some ransomware incident and they were claiming to be Caribbean. And I, I talked about like basically the gun rideshare program. If you don't know this in Bermuda, it's like, it's like hyper illegal to have a handgun, right? Like you go to jail for like ever. So it's so, it's so rare that basically or so dangerous that basically there's a couple people who own handguns illegally in Bermuda and you can rent the handgun from them to go commit a crime. And then you got to bring it back before like, you know, 4 PM the next day, or you get uh, uh charged late charges. So Dan Reardon, AKA haircut fish makes a meme every single Thursday. It's I don't screen it. I don't censor it ever. I'd like to welcome you to uh Glockbuster. Glockbuster, where you can rent your handgun. Got to have it back by 4 p.m. We're making most of our bank off of um, late fees, obviously. But uh, <laughs> I thought this is really clever. I did work at a Blockbuster in 1999. For the actually, I worked at Blockbuster twice, 95 and 99. Uh, but there you go. Hey, Jeremy Williams, coming in with a super chat. We just become best friends. Uh, yep. All right. Thanks so much, Dan Reardon, for the. Um, Meme of the week. Let's keep going. There we go. There we go. There we go. VC firms look to develop responsible AI guidelines. Axios' sources say a group of influential venture capital firms began working with the U.S. Commerce Department on these guidelines for their portfolio companies. While many larger tech companies like Google, Microsoft, and Meta have already made moves to self-regulate ahead of government action, this marks the first move to impact startups. These guidelines ask for commitments for transparency on decision-making with AI models, auditing, and testing. It also commits to establishing internal AI governance processes, mitigating risk, protecting privacy, and prioritizing security. Okay, you know what? Straight cash, homie, right? That's another sound effect for the first timers. Straight cash, homie. Here's the deal. AI is blowing up. 
VCs, venture capitalists, people with more money than they know what to do with, more people with money that like it doesn't make them enough money to stick it in an investment. They want to like buy companies or invest in companies, right? Straight cash, homie. Of course, they want to self-regulate. Two things are going on here, right? And like I always say, follow the money, right? Follow the money. Space tacos with a super chat. <laughs> Manual sound effects. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, did we just become best friends, Space Tacos? Yep. Um, these VC firms, they want to get in front of regulation, right? Because if the regulation is too stringent, here, I, this is exactly what's happening, okay? This is like 100%. I'm not even going to use the speculative hot take, although I will drop the emote there. If you're a squad member, you know about the emote of me and my tinfoil hat. Hold on one second for those on stream over on LinkedIn. See this tinfoil hat over here? That's me making hot takes, okay? That's basically a, an asterisk when I'm about to say. Here's the deal. If I have a million dollars invested in some AI startup, you know what I don't want? I don't want the government coming in, you know, like I've already complained about how out of touch the senior lawmakers are and how they're so slow, like having an AI committee meet in October. They decided that in June. It's like, bro, you really got to get going um, the VC firms, they're like, Hey, you know what? Let's self-regulate because the, I, I hate to say lazy, but the politicians are going to look at the self-regulation as insights on what they should be doing for regulating the industry. Guys, it's freaking brilliant. Hey, I got an idea. Instead of sitting back on our butt and waiting to hear what we should do, why don't we decide what we should do that works best for us and our portfolio balance and our straight cash homie. And then when they come to us, we'll say, oh, we're already self-regulating. Maybe that's enough. And if not, then they're going to say, well, you know, Mr. VC or Mrs. VC, what are you guys doing for regulate? Like, what are you guys doing to protect yourself? And they're like, oh, no problem. Happy to help, Senator. We're doing this, this, and this. And then the Senator's like, I have an idea you should do this, this, and this. And it's like, like everybody just does, you know, that uh, meme with the kid who's in the school photo, like uh, in mods, if you could pull that up, that'd be great. Like, mm, like that's basically what's happening here. Th to me, this is straight up self-preservation for VCs to make sure that their investments in AI don't get um, sidelined or railroaded by regulations. That's all this is, right? It's, 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 it's a strategic move. Like, hey, to, way to go. Very, very savvy move. Let's keep going. Palo Alto Networks eyeing acquisitions. According to calculus sources, the security giant is in advanced talk to acquire Dig Security, an Israeli cloud data security startup, in a deal worth at least $300 million. This comes after sources also said Palo Alto will soon close on an acquisition of the Israeli endpoint security company Talon Cybersecurity in a deal that could be worth up to $700 million. So the company could close on a cool $1 billion worth of acquisitions very soon. All right. This is this is a VCs listening to senators <laughs> about how to regulate. This is a <laughs> Thanks, Justin Gold. All right. Yo, PA is about to buy Talon and Dig for a billion dollars. Holy crap. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. Palo Alto is it, at least was originally uh, Israeli based. Dig security is Israeli based. I don't know Talon, um, if I had to guess, Israeli base. Um, dude, we're in this, uh, you know, like you should be mindful of this because if you are using Dig or Talon, this may impact you in some way. 
I think Palo Alto is a wonderful product. I think Palo Alto is a great company. I've been very happy in my experiences using Palo Alto technologies. Um, so I have nothing but good things to say about them. There is a bit of a consolidation in our industry. It's like a slow moving cruise ship, but um, you see Cisco acquiring all sorts of crap. Uh, if I had to guess, this PA acquisition is um, like Dig and Talon are probably complementary pieces to what PA is already doing. So Palo Alto is really well known for their firewalls. Um, maybe, you know, one of these is like an EDR. If I had to guess, right, one of them is an EDR solution. Um, and another one is probably some type of threat intel feed or, you know, something to do with like orchestration and, and threat intelligence integrations. That's just a guess. Um, with a, and I'm not going to like, I'm not going to have you guys watch me do a little bit of research on this, but it, it, it's a, it's a major play. If you're like a fortune, you know, 100 company in the cybersecurity space, it, you can move much faster by acquiring uh, complementary pieces into your portfolio than developing them in-house. It's basic, you know, business 101. Um, yeah, John Hoyt's right. Israel is a hotbed for cybersecurity. If you guys don't know this, Israel, small country, massively awesome at cybersecurity. Like if you ever see a piece of tech and it says like out of Israel or you notice the um, on the about us page, the, the mailing address is like Tel Aviv, it immediately gets a thumbs up. Hey, Alan Norris with the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends, Alan Norris? Yep. All right. DHS hosts Western Hemisphere Cyber Conference. This marks the first summit from Homeland Security addressing the cybersecurity concerns in Latin America. The event came out of a visit by DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to Ecuador, seeing the country developing its cybersecurity protocols. It also came after the Conti Ransomware Group performed high-profile attacks against Costa Rica last year. The agenda calls for talks on protecting critical infrastructure in the region, addressing ransomware, and how countries in the region can coordinate with U.S. national cyber strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so two things. One is going to be like a flex, which I'm, 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 I'm only sharing it not as a flex, but because it's so cool. Uh, and the other thing is why I think this is happening. So first of all, uh, the chief information security officer for the Department of Homeland Security is actually going to be guest lecturing uh, one of my Citadel classes uh, in, in in this semester. So I'm super excited about that. I had a conversation with him and he's all on board with doing it. So my cadets and my students are in for a wicked treat uh, when that happens. Plus I get to like, you know, high five him as well. Um, now check this out. Why is this important? Why is this relevant? So we have been so hyper-focused on Ukraine and Russia, Ukraine and China and bricks and stuff like that. Leon Elliott with the gifted subs. Wow. Uh, what? Do we just become best friends? Yep. All right. So Ryan Gardner, Laura Flores, Holly Austin, Sharon Jackson, and SSD. Enjoy those gifted subs and definitely take advantage of the squad uh, keyboard tray now that you got that. Here we go. So here's, here's the deal. Here's what I'm thinking is happening here. Two things. One, if you think of BRICS, right, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, you know, uh, affiliation and how it's it, it, they're they're basically not into Western uh, policies, Western philosophies. Brazil is a big one in there. Also, I read Nicole Palros book. This is how they tell me the world's ends. You look at Argentina. Argentina is not a big fan 
of the United States because of decisions that the United States has made in the past that has negatively impacted Argentina. I'm not saying Argentina is an enemy of the state. I'm just saying Argentina isn't like, you know, flying a red, white, and blue out front of the house, right? So if you look at all that, then you look at uh, Lapsus Gang out of Brazil. Cuba has got some ransomware action going on right now, threat actors. So there is a bubbling cauldron, right? You know, like when you boil water, and before it goes full rolling boil, you start getting like a little bubbles. The water's kind of tremoring on top, but you're not full rolling boil. That's what's going on in Latin America right now, kind of Central and, and South America. So my thought is, this is the United States looking at that and saying, you know what? There is an elevated risk inside of you know Latin America effectively right now that we need to take note of and begin to intervene and begin to assess the situation, provide support where we can, and, uh, you know, hunt forward, as we saw um, in yesterday's news. Uh, the UK is doing hunt forward. I'm sure the United States is doing hunt forward, uh, which is effectively partnering with friendly nations in order to go from their soil and deploy telemetry and do threat hunting inside of their networks to find threat actors inside there. So to me, this is this right here is a strategic long-term macro play of stabilizing cybersecurity risk in Latin America to the United States. That's my hot take on that one. Europe hammered by financial services attacks. New data from Akamai claims attacks on European financial services increased 119% on the year in Q2. Thanks. In terms of raw numbers, companies in that sector saw roughly 1 billion attacks against web apps and APIs. Insurance accounted for 55% of all web attacks. It also saw a 40% increase in DDoS events, with European financial services accounting for a majority of those events globally. Despite this rise, financial services was only the third most targeted sector in the block in the year. Wow. Largely Interesting. Now, you've got to remember, when they say financial services was the third most targeted block in the year, you do have to remember that there's an active war going on inside of this, you know, boundary, right? Ukraine's under attack. And there's a lot of like cyber military capabilities, denial of service attacks. We see anonymous Sudan swinging around and hitting things. Um, Netherlands, uh, you know, basically put a kibosh on semiconductor tech being exported into China. China's not a huge fan of that. So there is a lot going on at a nation state espionage and uh, military level at this time, which would influence the, the statistics, right, of why. So I, I do think financial services is still right in the crosshairs, but you do want to be mindful. It did double in a year, which is something interesting. Um, so if you here's the TLDR. If you work in financial services, you, hopefully you are well-funded, uh, both you as a practitioner, but also your, uh, your InfoSec office within that space. Um, looks like uh, I'm just looking here quickly at it. Uh, API tax um, are on the rise. And insurance was the most attacked subsector, accounting for 55% of attacks. Interesting. So uh, I always do think that insurance companies are an ideal target since they hold all the policies for their clients. So you could find out the policy limits and then ask for those particular ransom amounts. Um, they do they do cover ransomware, they do cover denial of service attacks, et cetera. 
Uh, a financial co services company getting hit with the denial of service attack does shake confidence in the consumer base because they're unable to access their money. Um, you know, my, my 11 year old asked me yesterday, he's like, cause we were moving some money and I was explaining to him how, you know, money works and stuff like that digital. And he's like, dad, like you put all this money inside this bank account, but like what keeps someone in the bank from just taking the money out and then just saying like the, the money was never there. Like you log in and there's nothing there. What, what stops them from doing that? I said, nothing really stops them from doing that, but you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, cutting, not cutting your nose off to spite your face, but like you, if you go for that, like one score, you, you're going to lose the entire business for the remainder of your life. So it better be, it better be a, a big enough score. Uh, and by the way, like, you know, it, one person operating alone is going to have a tough time because they have controls in place. And then if you get a bunch of people doing it together, well, that's a, um, that's like a, you know, conspiracy or not a conspiracy. Uh, um, Oh, I can't even think of the word, but basically I said it, it's not going to happen. Okay. Um, fun fact. I just want to point this out, right? So if you are somebody who gives talks at conferences, if you are someone who briefs executives and stuff like that, I used to, I mean, I'm still a bit of a, of a planner and I like to have structure and organization, but I will tell you, I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit over the last two years. And I just kind of like, you know, let Jesus take the wheel for, for lack of a better term. I'm not ultra religious, but it, it the, the term does make sense. I have a talk for a financial services company in October. Very excited. It's a speaking engagement. Uh, I've been working with some wonderful people and I've got my deck kind of put together. And I was like, you know what would be really cool? Uh, some really current, current events, but I'm not sweating it because I know it's going to happen. Same thing happened with healthcare a couple weeks ago. Boom. Thank you. Thank you, uh, whoever wrote this report. Tax on European financial services double in a year. I just found the title to my third slide in the deck. You know, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's crazy how easy it is if you stay current on what's going on to be uh, up, you know, to, to have like very, very, you know, germane, salient examples. Thank you, collusion, Chad Birch. That's the word I was looking for. All right, guys, let's keep rolling. Language models and generative AI are today's disruptive technology. This is not, though, the first time that companies just want to ban a new technology that everyone loves. Yet, we're doing it all over again. Whether it's ChatGPT or BYOD, story people or? are going to use desirable new tech. So if our job isn't to stop it... All right, I guess that was the last story. I don't know. All right, we did manual sound effects today. Uh, we, we rode dirty, uh, blind to what stories were coming up. I feel like we did all right, guys. Um, I do have to boogie to the Citadel because uh, I do teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but I will give three minutes. I have three minutes. Crush your day, Michael McBride. Uh, I will add the uh, diehard welcome to the party, pal, sound effect. So get ready for that next week. Tomorrow's stream uh, will be with Eric Taylor. I will be in uh, unable to stream tomorrow for personal reasons. No, Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Um just a reminder, guys, if you can, come by today at 3.30 p.m. It would mean a lot to me. Um, this Intel, this guy is very smart. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it. It is a sponsored um, stream, right? Intel is is collaborating with me on this one. So uh, please, I, I guarantee it'll be educational. I guarantee it'll be entertaining. Uh, we'll have a lot of fun. And uh, it means a lot to, to the channel. So thank you all very much. Jeffrey Santo is accepted the baton. Jeffrey Santo. Oh, wow. Jeffrey, I'm looking forward to your post on LinkedIn. 
Be well, everybody. All right, guys. Hey, so I will see you all uh, at 3.30 today. If not, I'll see you on Monday. I'll see you on Monday at uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time. For you first timers today, I hope you enjoyed the stream. I hope you got value from the stream and I hope you come back to the community. We are all about inclusion, support, and uh, good times. And, you know, basically, if you liked what you had today, it's going to be more of that. It's basically, it's basically the same cake. It's a chocolate cake. It's got mousse frosting on it. It's delicious, but it, it's the same cake every day. So if you like it, you're going to love it. And if you didn't like it, well, it's not for everybody. That's okay. All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you all so very much. Be good. And until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one one.